Hello, everybody. I am Heather Markell, and welcome to another episode of the Inspired Nomads Pandemic Edition, where I'm talking to guests who used to travel but have been grounded for the moment about their prior experiences, what it's like to be stuck during the pandemic, and where we're heading in the future. So as always, as the past few shows, I am still in my kitchen in Kirikiri, New Zealand, but this will be my last show here because I'm going to start traveling around New Zealand shortly. So hoorah! <laughs> Tonight, I have the pleasure of interviewing Chaya Kowal, who has a really interesting story. Chaya, can you tell us where you are right now? Yeah, so, okay, I'm back to Mauritius right now. Um, I'm originally from Mauritius, but I have been nomadic for about, let's say, 15 years. Um, I came back, of course, during those 15 years to Mauritius, and now I'm back to Mauritius since August. Wow, and you have such a beautiful accent, I have to say. <laughs> um, so, so we spoke earlier, and I had been to Mauritius years and years ago. It was absolutely a lovely country, but, but can you tell us, what um what your you know before your your nomadic life for 15 years can you tell us a little bit what you were doing and what countries you got to yeah sure so okay it all started um so my love for travel all started when I was kind of 16 um that's the first time I left Mauritius I was participating uh, in a competition you know to eliminate violence again against women and kids um, in Africa by the UN so I joined a painting competition and I went to Zimbabwe. So that was my first time ever traveling. Um, then later, um, so you know, in Mauritius, we speak English and French. So when we go to university, we have the option of either going to a French speaking or an English speaking university. Um, and I, um, so I started my first two years here in Mauritius and then I left for France where I stayed for three years. So that's where the travel bug, you know, kind of or got even more. So I was like, I want to explore. I want to see so many things. It's so different. Um, so I would just start like using every opportunity, like little holidays, long weekends, and and everything to go around and explore France and the surrounding regions and the surrounding countries. And I was like, oh my God, I never want to go back home. There's so much to see, you know, in the world. Um, so after my studies, I did come back home. Um, I took my first job in Mauritius. It was in hospitality. And again, I was like, I had itchy feet. I was itching. When can I go back and when can I start traveling again? I, Mauritius is wonderful. It's amazing. Um, it's a tropical island. It's, it's a peaceful life. It's calm. Um, you have beautiful beaches, you have a lot of nature. However, however, you know, it's like, it's so far from everything in the world. It's like you are this little tiny dog. Like people yep. don't even know about Mauritius. When I travel, they, they always ask me, what, Malaysia? Where are you from? Sri Lanka, India? But like no one ever guesses Mauritius. So it's like, it's so far from everywhere. Um, you can't go for a long weekend. Like where do you fly for a long weekend, right? And the island is so small. Um, yeah, there are things to do, but if you really like want to travel for weekends or long weekends and want to explore, um, it's really not possible. So it's, it's hard to have Mauritius as a base when you have a nomadic lifestyle or when you want to explore. So um, after about two and a half years, um, I moved to Maldives, so which was kind of a little bit closer, <laughs> but that was mainly for, for a job. Um, I didn't know how long I would spend in Maldives. So initially I was in the capital, Mali. Um, which didn't work out very well. It was like, um, you know, it was, it's not the, the typical city life, I would say. 
Um, it's very different. It's very different from the islands as well. So after about six months, I was like, this is not for me. I'm not sure I'm going to stay. And um, I got in touch with one of the resorts. And I was like, since I'm already in Maldives, why not try one of the resorts? So that's how I got to move in one of the resorts. But resort life, you know, when you're on vacation and you're living in a resort for a week, it's amazing. You go snorkeling, yeah. you go diving, you have these beautiful candlelit dinners on the beach and all. But when you're living on an island, my first island was about 450 meters long. That's it. <gasps> <laughs> and it's just sand. So just yeah. imagine. And you're on the island 24 hours. So even on your off day, you are on the island. Um, so Maldives, like working in Maldives, really, it's not for everyone. Either you like it or you hate it. So there's like no middle, really. Yeah. And I love the ocean since I grew up on an island. So all my little off times after work, I would go swimming, snorkeling. Um, I got all my diving certificates in Maldives. Uh, and, you know, the water is clear. They're amazing dive spots. So um, I enjoyed it, but I needed time to be in my own bubble because you're always surrounded by people. You're always surrounded by guests. So um, I used to go on my go off on my own. There were two little islands where I could go after after work, just like paddle there or snorkel. Um, and then I had to get out of Maldives maybe every three months, let's say. So that's when I would get to explore. So I would go to like Asia, I started going to Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, the Middle East. I could, it's, it, it was very easy to go to Europe. So just via Dubai yeah. or Abu Dhabi. So I would go to like, um, I went to Munich, um, I, I visited Germany, France, a little bit of the European countries as well. So, you know, it gave me the opportunity to kind of have a little base somewhere closer to where I could be in Asia or to also visit Europe. And I ended up spending almost four years in Maldives, which I didn't wow. expect. And people are always like, oh my God, how did you do it? Especially those who've been to Maldives. But I know people who've spent longer than that. So yeah, it, it went by pretty fast. Um, I met a lot of amazing people. You know, you get to meet all these people from all these different countries. And it's, it's just crazy, like how you make contacts and you learn so much about all these different places. Um, after Maltese, in fact, I was like, oh, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go to another remote location again after Maltese because, okay, it's, it's nice, but there's nothing, no movie theater, no shopping malls, yeah. I mean, nothing, you can't order anything, like nothing delivers really, or if they deliver, it costs like more than what you're ordering, you know? Um, so um, I was looking a little bit at Montenegro. I had a job offer and everything. So I was like, okay, that's cool. It's close to the sea. Um, it's yep. not that cold in winter so that will be perfect and then suddenly one of my previous colleagues spoke to me about Bhutan so I was like Bhutan wait what is it I haven't heard of it but I have no idea so I started researching a little bit about Bhutan and then they were looking for someone in my position like I, I used to handle revenue um, reservations um, for, for hospitality so I was like oh my god you know it costs like $250 per person per day just for the visa to go to Bhutan. So I was like, if yeah. I don't take this opportunity, maybe I would never get to visit Bhutan. Or maybe if I go, I'm just going to spend like a week there. Um, yeah. And, you know, I love like slow traveling instead of just rushing through through a place. Yeah. It's a different feel when you're really living there and you get to know the real culture. Um, instead of going to the touristy places, you go to the local restaurants and you know the yeah. local places that people go. So it's, it's a different feel, right? So I was yeah. like, okay, maybe... 
I'll go to Bhutan or I can always go to Montenegro, right? It's like, but Bhutan, like you, it's, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. So I was like, okay, I changed my mind. It was, it happened so fast and I landed in, okay, first, uh, even DHL didn't know uh, Bhutan, they didn't have it on their little app. When they came to pick up my oh. luggage to ship it, they were like, is that in India? I was like, no, don't send it to India. It's a real country, please. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. My luggage needs to reach Bhutan, you know? So I landed in this small airport in the middle of a valley surrounded by airplanes. And when the aircraft was kind of landing, I was so scared that it's going to touch one of their mountains. It seems yeah. so, 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 so close. But yeah. it was like, it felt like, I landed in another world. Like everything was so different. The culture, the food. Um, I was living at an altitude of 2,400 meters approximately. Um, so first you have to get used to it. So, you know, just going up the stairs, um, I would feel like yeah. I'm breathing heavily. And I was like, am I sick or something? What's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> but then you get used to it. And then I would use all my off days to explore. Um, I, I love hiking. I love nature. So um, I kind of like, I, I adapt depending on where I am. So if I'm in, in a, a beach location, like I would adapt my activities accordingly, as long as I get to spend time in nature. So when I was in Bhutan, I was like, oh my God, those hikes, those views, that was like amazing. So I would spend every off day waking up even earlier than my usual working day wake up time, yeah. um, going on hiking, tasting the food, exploring different valleys. And um, I spent almost two years in Bhutan. Um, and again, I was thinking there couldn't be worse than Maldives, but Bhutan, it's really like, um, so nothing delivers Amazon, eBay, you can't have anything delivered to you. Like, you know, anything like tampons, um, just moisturizer, <laughs> like, you yeah. know, just the basics, you can't find anything. Uh, you find a, a few shops that have it, either it's expired or they have all those, you know, skin whitening products from Thailand or from Asia. That's what you find. So every, I would leave every three months, um, go to Singapore, Thailand, Bangkok. I would bring one empty suitcase with me. Um, so I would fill half of my suitcase with food stuff, cheese, salami, um, wow. my favorite snacks, chocolate. And half of the suitcase would be like shampoo, shower gel, moisturizer, wow. <laughs> tampons, oh and you know, that imagine. kind of stuff. Yep. In the whole country, there was like one place where we could go for, for a decent pizza or a burger. Um, there was one Korean restaurant. Um, that's it. Wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's, like, it was, but that's such an amazing experience, though, that you had. Like it you is. Said, most people don't go to Bhutan for, you know, for a long period of time and see these things. That's amazing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it was amazing. Um, after Bhutan, I took a little bit break. I came back to Mauritius for, for some time. Um, that's when I was doing a little bit of freelancing. I was testing it out a little bit. Um, I also traveled during that period. So I went to, I did a long, long, long travel through Vietnam. I spent almost two months um, going around Vietnam and trying to work at the same time. And then I moved to Bangkok after that. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because um, every time um, I travel to Bangkok, uh, like on holidays, especially like going from a calm, like peaceful place and to this hectic, vibrant city, I used to hate it. Like, I was like, oh my God, where did I arrive? Yeah. And then the airport is so messy. And then the taxi drivers try to take advantage of you and, and everything. I was like, oh. And then when I moved to Bangkok, it was like, I don't know. 
things just happened so smoothly. Like I, I didn't even need time to kind of adapt. So I didn't feel the transition. It just like went through like so smoothly. Um, things just went into place. Um, everything is so easy, like finding an apartment, uh, paying your bills, ordering things online. It's like a city that never sleeps. So uh, you can order your groceries in the evening, they deliver after work hours. Um, you can have food anytime. You can have coffee delivered to your office. It's just so easy to live in Bangkok. Then there's the touristy parts and the non-touristy parts. So since most of my colleagues were Thai, um, so we used to go to all these local uh, Thai restaurants or these little places, you know, street food and everything. That yep. really, real local one where you can't say no spicy or little spicy. You just have to eat whatever spicy spiciness level you're getting. Um, yep. I, I loved it. I love the food. I love Thai food. I always loved it. And I spent two years in Bangkok. I uh, explored so, 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 so much of Thailand. Um, you, I don't know if you know uh, Meetup and Internations. Yeah. So, uh, so Meetup works like wonder in Bangkok. Um, so I used to go um, on these weekend trips to national parks, to hiking, camping trips, to reservoirs, to off the beaten tracks, to these little villages and local markets. I met so many people. So when we would come back to Bangkok, then we would meet and go to rooftop for a drink or, you know, we would just organize some little things. Um, I don't know. I felt like my two years were 10 years because I did so much. Yeah. But at the same time, my wow. work was really, really, really hectic. I was working in the beginning. I was working crazy hours or one of my colleagues got fired. So I had to take a big chunk of his job. I was working like until midnight, 1 a.m. almost every, every day. So it was not always rosy. But once yep. I got past those first five, six months, um, it was like, yeah, um, I almost, I won't say I regret, but I almost regret, yeah, leaving Bangkok and moving to Bali. <laughs> and Bali is, is, is really nice, don't get me wrong. So um, I've moved to Bali more because of the, I was looking for more of a different style of work. So a work where I would have more flexibility and that's exactly what I found in Bali. Um, so that's what why I moved doing? there. Um, I still do so so I still do revenue management so I still do the you know the numbers stuff and everything but just the style of the company is different so when I moved to Bali um, I'm working for a group called Potato Head um, and they started the first hotel a few years ago and then there's the opening of a new hotels and then a third one in, in the pipeline um, so it's a lot of interesting projects and also um, they're really into sustainability I was like yeah this is really something that I want to be I want to you know really be um, into it I want to work in these projects I want to see how it's yeah. going and it's really a progressive company so I was like okay yeah I I'm moving to Bali um, I didn't know how to ride a scooter and that was my biggest fear and I was like how am I gonna go around because with a car you're gonna get you know the streets in Bali they are so so narrow um, so I reached Bali um, around end of November beginning of December let's say last year um, so during festive so my work was located in one of the busiest streets of Seminyak and I was looking at that traffic at, at those bikes uh, those scooters going on their uh, sidewalks just, I don't know, just going, there was no rules, like everyone was doing what they wanted. And I was telling myself, oh my God, there's no way I can ever ride a scooter here. 
<laughs> but a month yep. later, like when all the crazy <laughs> craziness of that traffic kind of um, got settled in a little bit more, I took scooter lessons. <laughs> One morning I went for scooter lessons in a big parking lot. So, and then I was like, okay, I feel more confident now. And then I started trying and then you get used to it. And then you also just don't follow the rules. You just follow how the locals do and you're fine. And then... Um, so- yeah, then the pandemic, right? So I just managed to travel. So I had so many travel plans for this year. Um, yeah. I had a last minute work trip in March. And that was like really last minute. Uh, my colleague was supposed to go. Her visa got rejected and I don't need a visa for Europe. So um, I think it was, I, I booked my flight and left within like two or three days. Uh, so I went to Frankfurt and Vienna. And I was planning because I'd never been to Vienna before. And it's such a beautiful city. I was planning to extend the trip by a week so that I could explore. And then what happened, um, everyone wanted to close borders. So my event was canceled. So my first part of the event still happened. The second part got canceled in Vienna. Um, I had to change my flights and rush back to Bali. And during that time, Mauritius closed borders overnight, kind of. So I was like, okay, I have no choice. I need to get back to Bali like right now. So wow. I went back to Bali and that's how I got stuck in Bali. <laughs> so, um, so you, well, you were stuck in Bali and you were actually unable to fly home. Like your country wouldn't, even though you're a national, wouldn't let you come back? They, uh, so Mauritius closed borders uh, with no flights in, in the beginning. They were really strict. Um, so they didn't want anyone to fly in. So many people were stuck everywhere else. And then they started doing flights, but you had to register to be on those flights. Um, so they were like repatriation flights and everything. And I was like, okay, I still, um, I was still working from home. I still have a job here. Um, even though our salary went down to 20%. Um, so I was like, it's, it's fine. I'm in Bali, you know, I, it could be worse. I could be, I don't know, in a place where there are worse cases and stuff like that. So yeah. I was like, I can still stay here for a bit. Let me see. So, okay, I, I made my mind to, to stay there a little bit. And I would wait to see how the situation would go with Mauritius, if I wanted to go home or not. Um, but then I, I just saw how long it was taking for people to get repatriated. And then if I would go back to Mauritius, um, I had to stay 14 days in a mandatory quarantine facility by the government. And I was like, I, it didn't have very good feedback in the beginning. So I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm not sure about it. So, um, so yeah, so I decided to stay in Bali. And how long were you there for after, so, during the pandemic? So during, so let's say it started around February, March. Um, I was there until mid-August. Um, so what changed my mind to come back to Mauritius? So in the beginning, of, so Bali was never on a real lockdown. So which was kind of good, uh, but some people kind of took advantage of it. So, you know, um, they would still go to the beach and party. So if you would just go to the beach and go for a morning walk and do your exercise or walk your dog, it would be okay. But people started partying. So they closed the beaches and we're like, okay, we don't have anywhere to go. Um, so you could still go on morning walks. Like there were some nature, natural places, nature walks and in the rice fields. So that was good. So um, the gyms were closed, restaurants were closed. You could still order. So I was working out from home. Um, um, I was living in a villa at that time, sharing with another friend. So we had a nice little garden, a pool. So that was one of the advantages. And I was like, I can still spend time outdoors. Um, but then, um, you know, so many people lost their jobs in Bali uh, because tourism is about directly and indirectly about 80% of, um, of the jobs right. is from tourism. 
So all these people losing their jobs um, have to feed their families too. And the robberies. So either in the villas or they would even like um, attack people on the bikes. So um, your phone, your bag, you had to be like super, super, super careful. Um, and it felt like you had to be really careful while going out at night when you're on your bike. You just never know. Like, um, in, you know, in the, in the groups, in the women groups or just in the expat groups, you would see so many cases on a day-to-day basis that you had to be careful. And then what, one day it just happened to me. Um, we, no one was at the villa at that time. We were out. And then I came back. Um, they broke in. Um, everything was gone. Uh, my work laptop, my MacBook, my camera. Um, so all valuables were gone. And, um, wow. you know, it's, it's not just about them. Um, yeah, people would say it's just things, but it's not just things. We are during a pandemic. I'm down to 20% salary. I'm using my savings, you know, to live on a day-to-day basis. Um, I don't want to spend money going to buy all those gadgets again. And it's also, you know, that feeling when your privacy has been invaded and you just don't feel yeah, safe because safe. You know that they could... Yeah. People can just come back anytime because it might not be the same people, but it might just be anyone. And it's just so easy to break in those, those villas because there's no security around. And, you know, um, so I was not feeling safe at all. Um, I was trying to find another place to shift, but I had paid for the villa until December. So one month at that time, they wanted one month rent. Um, I was like, you know, when, when I was riding back to, to the villa the last turn, I was feeling like a knot in my stomach and I was like, um, I, I just don't feel like living here. Uh, so I moved yeah. out. So I moved out. Um, I took an apartment in a building that had security. <laughs> um, okay, that's, that's yeah. And that was a time when I also applied. So I registered online uh, with Mauritius to, to be able to find a repatriation flight. But by that time, Bali had closed international borders. So, so I couldn't like fly international from Bali. <laughs> so I had to fly to Jakarta. Wow. So I received, um, I was lucky because um, I met people who were stuck in Bali from Mauritius. They were on vacation. And because all borders closed, so suddenly they were stuck for like five months in Bali. And some had kids here. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Um, I, I was really lucky. I got, I think I managed to fly back within a month of my submitting my application online. Um, but it was like really stressful. So um, I just moved apartments, I moved to my stuff. So I had to find a storage. And then they had all these detailed procedures because Mauritius is being so, so, so strict about it. So uh, PCR tests and everything. Um, and then I had four flights to book. Uh, so it was, it was Bali to Jakarta, Jakarta to KL, KL to Dubai, Dubai to Mauritius. And then there was a quarantine part. And <clears throat> I, had, I had like heard so much horror stories about it. And I wasn't sure, I was like, oh my God, I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I kind of planned my quarantine um, to, um, to incorporate more mindfulness. So I brought my watercolors, I brought my um, yoga mat, my resistance burns, everything that I would need, my own teas, like to feel at home, my little candles yeah. or, and everything. Um, I transferred that room, like I, I did the setup again to have my little workspace, my little workout, my little dining area. And um, yeah, quarantine was just amazing. I had this room with a sea view. So I would see sunrise every morning. So wow. I even tweaked tweak my morning routine to see sunrise um, every morning and then start with my meditation on the balcony. It just felt like, like a little retreat, I would say, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's how wow. I landed in Mauritius around mid-August. Um, I'm still here right now. Um, and I think it's going to last another few months until 
I would travel again. How is it in, how is Mauritius handling the pandemic? Is it, um, are there a lot of cases and is there lockdown? Uh, so there was only one lockdown in the beginning uh, when it happened around March and there hasn't been any other lockdown again. Um, there were no locally transmitted cases for months since March until about two weeks ago. Um, so the only cases that, 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 that were registered were cases from people who were being, um, uh, who, who flew back on those repatriation flights, yeah. but they went directly to quarantine. So that was contained. Um, and there are no lo locally transmitted cases. So it's like, it's, it's normal life. So, you know, you can go anywhere, you can go to the mall, you can go to the beach, you can go to the market. It's kind of, it feels yeah, as if you're living. Do you wear masks there or no? is it mandatory or no? Um, we still wear it when we are going to the supermarket, for example, but um, people are not really wearing masks <laughs> anymore because yeah. it's been so many months since there haven't been any locally transited cases, you know, but yeah. Uh, yes, but officially, it's, it's still mandatory. Um, the yep. police and everyone were really strict about it in the beginning few months, but now I would say they are not so strict about it. But it's still officially uh, mandatory to wear the masks. Yeah, because here in New Zealand, it's, um, you know, so far we've been really lucky. And we also had one major lockdown and we're still like on the lowest level lockdown though, but, um, you know, the, the borders are shut. Um, masks have not been mandatory. It's, it's like, I, I have to imagine it's hard um, when you're in a country like America or somewhere in Europe um, where it's just so out of control mm. to see other countries where they've done such a much better job with it that we don't need to wear those masks. Um, we can feel safe, like if stores are open, we can go grab a coffee out, we can meet our friends, we can, you know, do all those things. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel really lucky. I don't know about you, but. Like, yeah, I feel really, I feel really grateful to, to be able to be here, um, seriously, because I'm like, yeah, they were able to contain it. And I had, I hadn't seen my family and friends in, in almost two years. So that was like, wow, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, looking into the future, um, I know you said you'll be there for a few months and obviously nobody knows what the future is anyway, but like if, you know, knowing what you do now, um, what do you think, um, like when, when restrictions lift and if we all get vaccinated or whatever happens, um, do you see going back to your travel life? Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I mean, maybe with a lot more caution, like, you know, um, you, you want to be sure about the location you're going to and also about medical facilities and everything. And, you know, yeah. you don't want to risk yourself or unnecessarily, but definitely. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about, because all my stuff is still in Bali, I put everything in a storage. Um, so if I still have my job um, and we are reopening, I was thinking about going back to Bali first, help with the reopening and structure and everything. But, you know, I have also started, um, so a few years ago, um, I kind of registered a company back here in Mauritius because I really wanted to, to do my own thing. But it really yeah. nev I never really had time to work on it. And then when this pandemic happened, it was like my second chance. It's I took it as, as a blank canvas, let's say. So it was like, repaint your life and just do what you want. It's, it's like your second chance and you might never get this again because I had more free time, no traveling, no makeup, no, you know, all yep. those things. <laughs> so yep. I had more time in the mornings, I had more time in the evenings. Um, so I started doing um, online learning. So um, positive psychology, um, mindfulness, mindset and everything. 
Um, so I started my own coaching business a few months ago. I, um, I'm still working on it and, and launching. It's still in the launching phase. Um, and yeah. I'm hoping, you know, when I'm able to travel again, I'm able to, to really be like a nomad um, and then be able to work from from anywhere. Um, yeah. And, and I'm also yeah. starting to take, a, I'm also starting to look into taking projects in my, in the industry I've been for so long in hospitality. Um, I like to take small projects that I could do remotely because that's kind of what's working right now. And, you know, you need to adapt with, um, with the situation. Um, but definitely I have no idea where I want to be uh, when I travel again or where I want to go. Yeah. Um, I guess <laughs> it will depend on which countries are opening borders and how they're handling it as well. Um, Do you, but... you know, I feel like one of the, when this pandemic was sort of like in the thick of things, or at least round one, you know, I think, I feel like the concerns many of us had were, if I'm going to travel, I want to make sure there's a good hospital. I want to make sure I'd be taken care of, especially if I'm not a national, that kind of stuff. And now... I don't know about you, but like, I feel like added on to that is, you know, like you were discussing, you know, describing in, in Bali, it's like, um, with the depressed economies, you got to think about, um, people are hungry and, you know, when it's not just about a hospital, it's like, it's now about safety and security as well for the, for the time being, I think. Exactly. Exactly. And especially after what I've seen in Bali and, and what happened, and I've seen so many cases happening around me as well. Yeah. Like safety and security is definitely, uh, you need to be careful, especially if you're a, um, a digital nomad, I'd say, I mean, um, yeah. that's your tools, like, you know, your laptop, your camera, exactly. your phone, that's, that's what you need. And if, if that keeps getting robbed you know it's not gonna work out so yeah you so, have to be careful since that happened to you I'm curious if you thought about or might have any recommendation for someone listening to this podcast on how they can protect themselves and their valuables um insurance <laughs> I would say first thing get an insurance and I if you're in a place where um, where you're not sure about security and everything like um, when I was in Bangkok, I was staying in a building that had security. So I would say um, try instead of just a standalone villa, you know, in the middle of nowhere. I know like when people go to Bali, they want to live in, in those beautiful villas, but security yeah. is important as well. So maybe get into a villa where there's security around or um, um, get an apartment where, where you have security. Have a safe. <laughs> Every night, try to put your things in a safe, um, I would say. Yeah. And also, you know, um, people who are in places where they have to ride bikes or scooters are um, just be super careful of not having your bags on you. Uh, what I would do, I would always put my bag under my seat. Um, so at least there's nothing mm -hmm. hanging on me. And because when they are trying to snatch your bag, um, you get thrown off your bike or you just get um, um, carried along with them. So, you know, you, people are get, we're getting hurt, like all their hands wow. and legs. And, and it's a tropical, tropical country, right? So you're not like wearing pants, you're wearing shorts or dresses. And when you fall off that bike <laughs> on that road, you know, it's like people are wearing wow. it yeah. in the middle of yeah. all this. So um, also maybe try to protect yourself or if you're riding a bike, like try to having a long sleeve and, and a pants maybe. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Those are some good, <laughs> good tips. <laughs> um, so, so any, any last tip or information that you want to share with um, people listening? Yeah. Um, so, you know, one thing that really helped me during this whole pandemic was mindfulness. So um, being grateful, uh, trying to savor every little moment, trying to have little breaks because, you know, being stuck, working from home, 
um, it's not for everyone. So different people take it in, a, in, a, in different ways and people might be frustrated, might get stressed and everything. And I really found that, you know, um, sticking to my mindfulness routine, sticking to my rituals and sticking to my morning and evening routines, it kind of balanced it out, um, trying to add some more activities that I could do at home. I got to bake more. Um, I got to do online yoga classes. So, yeah, try to do things that you love that you haven't had time to do. Um, like I love painting, but when I'm working full time, I never have time to sit down for an hour and just learn a new technique, for example. Yeah. So try to incorporate new things, try to incorporate a lot of mindfulness, um, savor all these moments like tea time, you know, like baking your own cake and having your little tea time, um, having more time to meditate. Like when I'm going to work, I will meditate for 10 minutes. But if I'm at home, I can meditate for 15, 20 minutes in the mornings, right? So, um, so mindfulness worked wonders for me um, during this whole pandemic, during those moments where I was like anxious, stressed out, what's going to happen after the robbery to calm down, to stay grounded and to focus on, you know, on my goals and on my project. So yeah, definitely. Um, if people can have these little things, um, it's definitely going to help them. That's beautiful. And um, if someone listening to this podcast might want to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to find you? So, okay, they can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, um, on Pinterest. I have the same handle everywhere. Um, so, okay, since we speak French and English here, um, the name is half French and half English. So the first, first part is Voyage, um, like oh travel. God. And footprints. So it's Voyage Footprints Together. So that's my website, that's my Instagram, my Facebook, my Pinterest, all with the same handle. Perfect. J'ai oublié parce qu'on aurait pu faire ça en français parce que moi aussi je parle français. Parce que les gens qui écoutent, je pense qu'ils parlent plutôt l'anglais, mais ils doivent vraiment écouter en disant Mais waouh, c'est trop sexy ça. Je ne savais pas que tu parlais français, tu vois. Bah oui. Well, we'll watch that. <laughs> okay, so back to English for those of you that are like, where yes. the hell did you guys do? <laughs> so, um, so Chaya, thank you so much for being a guest today. Um, it was lovely to have you. I think um, I'm. I, I just found your um, your story really interesting, and and I'm sorry you had some difficulties as well through the <laughs> pandemic, but um, but I think what you shared is really useful and probably will help a lot of other people that are out there traveling and. Um, things they should think about. So thank you very much for being here. Um, it was a great pleasure. Thank you. And, uh, and for anyone that is listening, um, once again, this has been another episode of The Inspired Nomads. And uh, if you would like to apply to be a future guest on the show, you can reach out at www.interviewquestionnaire.com. As always, if you have any questions or feedback, you can contact me at Heather at heathermarkel.com and I'll look forward to seeing you or, or you seeing us and hearing us um, on a future episode of the Inspired Nomads. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Bye, Chaya. Bye. Bye. Thank you.